it's a sad state of the world that our world totally over indexes on the positive, like being positive and staying positive and find the positive in something terrible that's happened to you. See the silver lining. You only have to spend five minutes on Instagram to want to feel choked by the positivity out there. I mean, I've had experiences, really bad experiences, where people have come to me intending to cheer me up and saying things like, I'm sure this is all work out in the end, or I'm sure there's a silver lining and you'll know that in the future, and did not have the intended impact that they'd hoped. What that was really about was their deep discomfort with my sadness or my grief, that they couldn't be around that. And so they had to attempt to change my state so they didn't feel uncomfortable. Hello, and how are you? I mean, really, just kind of stop for a moment and check in with yourself. Like, how are you feeling? If I imagine you responding to me, I might hear something like, I'm, I'm fine, or I'm stressed, or I'm tired, hungry. And those are all states rather than feelings. But that response of yours to my question is so normal. Like, we don't share how we really feel at work. So why do we respond in this way? What has this so avoidant of sharing how we feel and sometimes even knowing how we feel, certainly at work. So hello and welcome to another episode of Unset at Work. And today I want to explore the question of do feelings belong at work? I'm going to unpack some myths about feelings that I hear a lot of and hopefully leave you with a bit more permission to show up fully with all your feelings at work. And in the closing, I'll share you some resources with you, two books that I love on this topic and a little freebie for you as well. I've gathered these along the way that have really helped me become more comfortable in understanding my feelings and expressing them. So hopefully they'll do the same thing for you. Because this topic is really personal to me. I grew up in a family that didn't, air quotes, like do feelings. Maybe you can relate. Feelings were for other people. They were messy. We were somehow above that. But this family rule didn't match my lived experience as a sensitive child. I experienced a lot of feelings, but I had no language to understand any of that and just intuitively knew that it wasn't welcome. So I buried all that. I buried all those feelings. My father had a lot of, of grief and anger from several traumatic experiences in, the, in his life that he hadn't processed, but he didn't express any of this in a sort of healthy way. It would come out in an unhealthy way or would live beneath the surface in the sort of scary, bubbling kind of way that you just felt could pull you down at any moment. And my mother was a youngest child of eight and had no experience of exploring and understanding feelings. And she was a nurse, so I think that's like a double whammy. You know, two trainings in her life where she was taught not to express feelings. And so in our family life day to day, I had, a, had the sense that there was just a lot more beneath the surface that wasn't spoken about rather than what we did speak about. And it was confusing. And I spent much of my adult life making sense of how my parents' capacity and ability to feel and express emotions shaped me or misshaped me. And I know I'm not alone in this, which is why this feels like such an important conversation to have. The ability to recognize and, and manage and understand your emotions is just the heart of being an emotional, emotionally intelligent human being. And I can think of no better place to start than taking some of the myths head on. So... The first myth I hear so much of is that being emotional means you're out of control. And this presents often as a coaching goal, uh, usually with women. And they say to me, how do I be less emotional? Can we work on that as the goal? And what they're usually referring to is the times when they have felt so frustrated or so helpless that they've cried and then felt 
terrible for crying and felt judged by others by themselves for losing control in air quotes, right? So let's slow this down and unpack this. We collapse feeling the emotions and being run by them. Those are two different things. Emotions are just natural result of how our mind and our body come together to process our experience. Emotions just give us information. They show us what it is that we need in the moment and, and usually in some way how they're not, our needs are not being met. So take an example. So if you're feeling angry, chances are you care about something and some boundaries being crossed. Like that's super useful information. You're feeling guilt, maybe. Then you're probably living according to other people's expectations of you. Anxiety, probably a lack of safety. So you can see where we're going. Like each type of feeling has a lot of sort of insight for you. And feeling your feelings is just the great first step. The action and urgent impulse that comes next, you have some choice over. So if you're feeling really angry, you might throw your mobile phone across at someone at the meeting. True story, and don't do that. But that follow through to actually throw the mobile phone as the impulse that you feel is actually poor emotional regulation. It's not collapse that it was being too emotional. It's being run by emotions. That's having your amygdala hooked so badly that you lose any executive functioning in that moment and your limbic system kicks in and sees this as sort of a fight, flight, or freeze moment where you have to do something like a really primitive response, like fight for your life and throw the phone at someone. That's poor emotional regulation. It's a very different process to feeling your emotions thinking through what it is you might want to do as a result of that and then choosing to do what you want to do with that. So example, like feeling anxiety might have you avoiding the conversation that needs to happen, but that's information. You might think to yourself, well, what if I did have the conversation? How might that turn out? And then other feelings might arise from that, right? It's really important to separate what you're feeling and what you want to do about it. And there are no good or bad emotions. You aren't out of control for feeling the feels. So ask yourself, what is this feeling trying to tell me and what's the action or impulse that I have and then what do I want to do with that? Second myth I want to tackle here is being emotional makes you irrational. So I've worked in the tech and finance sector for 20 years, so I know this well and not because it's been leveled at me because I've spent 20 years bearing, 20 plus years bearing my emotions at work, but I've heard this a lot as part of the corporate angle and the corporate view of people. She's too sensitive and emotional to lead. The, and if you hear hearing contempt in my voice, you're absolutely right. We need someone more logical to be in charge. So the assumption in that statement is we can't think and feel at the same time. Like that's not true with one caveat, which we'll get to. The examples around us, maybe back in family or maybe even around work, of what's being modeled are often people who are in emotional dysregulation. So as I said earlier, triggered in some way reacting, shouting, throwing things. They are being run by the limbic system and not the part of the brain that's in charge of the executive functioning. So these people are, these small subset of people are not able to think and feel at the same time. But that's a different issue and needs a different kind of healing journey of recovery. That's not what we're talking about. So let me flip this around and say that actually the freedom to express your emotions enhances the decision-making so it's back to my point that if you see emotions as data, that's a beautiful doorway into exploring more about what's, what comes next, what's possible. So we can think and feel at the same, same time, assuming we're not being triggered or hooked. And in fact, when you are in tune with the emotions, there's this beautiful dance between thoughts and feelings. So if you think, well, I'm feeling 
something. I'm feeling anxious, so that's interesting. What's my impulse? I want to call and say I'm sick. That's interesting. How does that kind of help? What would that? So you can see this dance between the thought and the action, feeling thought, feeling thought as you almost coach yourself through that. It's a real opportunity to feel your feelings and be thinking and feeling at the same time. So the third myth is that other people make me feel this way. My boss makes me so mad. My colleague makes me feel bad about myself, the sense of being done to. Like, I mean, how can they do this? They, they, they don't have any control of your inner world. This is your response to some stimulus and, and the meaning that you've put on this, not them. Other people can create certain circumstances or influence circumstances, but your response is yours. And it's really important that you see yourself as an agent, a sort of sovereign of your own life, like able to make choices about how you respond. If your boss makes you mad, quotes, the reframe is you are angry with your boss. Great. So what for? What in their behavior is making you angry? So let's follow through on the impulse of the action, like would giving them feedback help? Would setting some boundaries about ways of working change the situation? Do you feel that you're being bullied? And if so, then that is a time to report your boss to HR. See where I'm going? Like the inside that you have, that you, that you are angry, opens up pathways for you, opens up options for you, and you get to choose to what, you, what you do. Saying someone makes you feel in a certain way is just playing victim. You are choosing to be helpless in that moment, and you deserve better. So the fourth myth Negatives are bad, and I must avoid feeling this way. It's a sad state of the world that our world totally over-indexes on the positive, like being positive and staying positive and find the positive in something terrible that's happened to you. See the silver lining. You only have to spend five minutes on Instagram to want to feel choked by the positivity out there. I mean, I've had experiences, really bad experiences, where people have come to me intending to cheer me up. I don't know why. But I do know why. And saying things like, I'm sure this is will work out in the end, or I'm sure there's a silver lining and you'll know that in the future, and did not have the intended impact that they'd hoped. What that was really about was their deep discomfort with my sadness or my grief, that they couldn't be around that. And so they had to attempt to change my state so they didn't feel uncomfortable. That wasn't about being with me. And that completely dismisses the human experience. When we can't be with other people in their emotions, we dismiss their experience. And we, we will experience the full range of feelings in our days and our weeks and our years at work and at home and at play. And really, I kind of want to make a case for like, don't buy into the happiness complex. It doesn't serve any of us. Feel your feelings. And the final myth, myth five, showing emotions is a sign of weakness. Now, this one I really get. I had to be going my own path to get through this. I, I've shared a little bit of my story about growing up. And I really believe that any expression of how I was feeling was weakness and, and even dangerous, that I was somehow wasn't safe in expressing that because that's what I had been modeled and that's what I'd been taught by my caregivers. This was so baked into my body that when I did my coach training, I had repeated feedback about my ice queen approach that people couldn't connect with me. Fast forward 10 years and a lot of personal work and I've totally flipped my perspective on this and I can see how sharing how I feel about something is a way of building connection and relationship, right? And here's the kicker, that's what we want as human beings. 
So if we express emotions, it shows a degree of vulnerability. Vulnerability builds that connection, and then that relationship comes off the back of that. But we want someone else to show that vulnerability first before we do so. It's like, you go first, then, then I'll share. So we get caught in this sort of chicken and egg situation. We don't get out the starting gate. Let me share an experience of mine that might shed some more light in this. In a check-in with the team that I was coaching, I shared some of my then struggles about dating and how ashamed I'd felt about my body as it kept being commented on and I was told that I was my hair was too short and my body was too fat. And, and I also felt really frustrated with the dating process. Like however I showed up, wasn't met with the same degree of honesty or integrity coming back on me. So certainly not kind of work content in a, in a work context sharing, but what I was asking the team to go on was a journey of connecting with each other. So I went first and shared this. And as I shared this, I could just feel the room temperature change. It just got a little softer, a little more tender. And one by one, as each of the other people in the room, when we went round the circle and they checked in, they shared something more than they had planned. And most of them admitted this. They shared something a bit more personal, a bit more, a bit more vulnerable. And at the end of the day, they said that was the best session they'd ever had as a team. And the truth is there was nothing magical in what we did, but we took the time and took the and had the courage to connect as a human level before we did the work work. And that made all the difference. Sharing like this shows that you matter, that I matter, that we matter, because we dare to have the handout of connection, of vulnerability and connection. And so remember, how you show your emotions is up to you. What you choose to share is up to you. If your emotions are running you in a sort of amygdala hijack situation, that won't have a positive income. But that's a kind of special situation. We can talk more about being triggered. When you genuinely feel into your emotions and speak through them and speak of what they are telling you, the world becomes a very different place. So if this talk of emotions has you kind of curious, I have a little freebie to help you learn more about how to name the nuance of emotions. I came across this a few years ago. The original source of it is unclear. It's a little chart, and at the core is the core emotions that most psychological theories will give you. But then it kind of branches out and helps you see what the nuance is. So you have the core emotion of anger, your version might be annoyed right, or frustrated. And it's a wonderful way of building your vocabulary around language, which for most of us, we haven't had that, that training. So I'll put that, uh, it's called The Emotions Wheel, and I'll put that link in the show notes. There are also two great books if you're curious about it. The two that I recommend would be Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay. It's a, by two people, Liz Foslian and Molly West Duffy. They've got really cute graphics in there as well. The other one is a bit more science-y, a lot of research behind it, How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain by Lisa Feltman Barrett, two books I really recommend. So really the takeaways here that I hope land with you are feel your feelings, ask yourself, like, what are these feelings telling me? Just know that the ability, the skill that you're building to recognize and manage and understand your emotions is really at the heart of an emotionally intelligent human being. And given that you've listened this far in this podcast, I know that matters to you. So I want to wrap up this with a story of hope and share with you about my friend Chantelle and her son. A few years ago, she was teaching him, he must have been about seven or eight at the time, she was teaching him about 
the four basic emotions. There's a version, a, a child, a age-appropriate version of what we've talked about today. And she talked about sad, mad, bad, and glad. And so he he took this on board, very interested. He disappeared off into his bedroom, and he came back with a PowerPoint slide on his little iPad. And on each slide, he had a picture of a dinosaur. The sad slide had a sad-looking dinosaur, and the second slide had a mad-looking dinosaur, and so on. And then there was a fifth slide. And on the fifth slide, he had a different emotion. And this little guy said to my friend, his mother, he said, Mom, there's another emotion here, and I think it should be called smad. And that's sad and mad at the same time, because sometimes I feel sad and mad at the same time. And I just love that story, because there is hope us as humanity right there are parents out there there are people out there who are teaching each other this idea of emotions and how to feel our emotions how to understand them and so we could show up like just more and more alive and experience life in a different way so that brings us to the end of today's episode so thank you as always for listening to unsaid at work if you enjoy the show please rate and review it wherever you're listening it kind of helps other people like you find this podcast and until then this is your wing woman Catherine signing off